0: Welcome to Ancran Bihar Podcast for June 21st, 2023. Hello again, my name's is Terence O'Donnell and I'm back for another episode of News from Around the World and an op-ed about something that may be important to you or not, depending on what matters to you. In this once-a-week podcast, now being hosted on RSS.com, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Intunes, and so many others, I try to offer you stories from news feeds and blog writers from around the world that you may not have heard of yet. A little about me. I'm of Irish descent and a self-professed Sean Kay, a Gaelic storyteller, and I want this podcast to feel like we're sitting under an on Biha, which is Gaelic for the tree of life. This is typically the village oak tree in, old, in the old villages. So sitting under this imaginary tree together. I showcase headlines and relevant blog articles about climate change, racism, politics, and human interest pieces not found on the front pages and why I think these stories are relevant to the world we find ourselves in now. I want this podcast to be a friendly space to promote my activism and addressing the wrongs of the world, hopefully, without offending anyone. This podcast is free to subscribe to for all who care to listen. I don't want money to get in the way of what this show is all about which is to push people to get up and make a difference in our world before it gets too late. We're almost there in a lot of ways. I do offer the option of donations and subscriptions within my written online articles and stories over at Medium.com and Substack, much like passing the hat in the end of every visit to your imaginary digital village. Just to let you know, I'll be taking a break once I've delivered the headlines to you. During this break, I do promote my website at Oncrombiha and my stories and articles published in medium.com in a short 1-2 to minute clip, but nothing too fancy. This week, I'm focusing on everything under the sun with an op-ed focusing on younger generations with an apology from us seniors who mucked up the world so badly. Oh, I wonder if it's too late to bring it around again. So without anything else, here's the headlines I picked out for you this week. My first story, I start out with some political stuff. So, my first story is How much damage has the Trump Putin collusion inflicted on America? Does Trump's goal appear to be, to paraphrase Don DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, to make America Russia by Tom Hartman on June 14th? So, in his daily take, Tom Hartman outlines a case for Trump's collusion or coercion with the Russians. A lot of evidence to back it up. If so, he also says, the American public will likely never know just how much. And that's a lot of truth to that. There's a whole lot of things, as I mentioned before, the American government is good at covering up. And there's a whole lot of stuff that they don't want us to know about. makes me wonder if some of these news organizations like ProPublica and The Guardian are going to dig up a bunch more stuff in the future. Next story I have, can American democracy survive Fox News? Democracy is based on the will of the people, and that is a function of the information to which citizens have access. Can America rescue our nation's currently polluted streams of information and news? Again, another piece from Tom Hartman's Daily Take. So this this particular piece talks about how most of the news media, especially Fox News and Facebook, have become a worldwide conglomerate that owns and dictates what we hear on the airwaves every day. Most of it's disinformation. The purpose apparently is for Rupert Murdoch's personal goal of trying to rule the world in his image. So as we all know, Rupert Murdoch bought a bunch of media uh, companies in Australia, UK, and the United States. And I think he probably got his hand in some in Canada too, for all we know. But basically with the intent of ruling all of the information information, that's being given to the people, you know, in these countries and around the world for that matter. Because so goes in the United States and some of the, you know, Western countries. So goes the rest of the world. So if he can control all the information, he can control the world. I think somebody ought to just do something about them guys really quickly. Next one I have is Gen Z coming for the GOP. Not all young people are Democrats by Ronald Brownstein in the Atlantic.com. It's a story about how the younger voters are leaning left, but not quite so much now, but will likely trend more towards the Democrats in the future because all of fascist rhetoric come out from the GOP now. They are voting in large numbers and biding their time. The GOP will try hard to stop them, but they are quietly persistent now and can wait for the old guard to fade away. And this is something that I'm fo- focusing this show on here this week. The old guard, like, and I'm one of them, we are fading away, and a lot of these guys that are in Washington D.C. right now are becoming irrelevant. Everybody and their brothers wondering whether Joe Biden, who's turned, you know, turned eighty, does he still have enough to make another four years? Problem is the Democrats don't have a younger person to put up against him, or to to clone him for that matter, whatever they want to do. And the Republicans, oh man, they're running around like chickens in a kicked-over Um and that's, now, that's that's a bad thing. So, I gotta wonder, all you young people, you need to come together and figure out what you want this country to look like. Next one I have comes from overseas. Taiwan sees Me Too wave of allegations after Netflix show, and this was in BBC.com. This is by Francis Mao and Benny Liu. And this came out of Singapore and Hong Kong. A Me Too movement in Taiwan that's apparently long overdue, and with the country's female president all over this. Looks like some positive changes for once. Three cheers for the women of Taiwan. Yeah, I agree. It's long overdue. Long overdue. Good for them. So here's coming back to the United States. Another story that came out a few days ago. Pastor blames power-hungry men after U.S. Baptist group oust churches with female leaders. Southern Baptist Convention upholds expulsion of two member churches because they got female pastors. This is by Sheena Goodyear and CBC Radio. And this is kind of a good back page article because you're not going to hear a lot of it on the front page news. The Southern Baptist Convention has gone pure Calvinist and they're throwing out any churches that have female pastors. How far do they plan to go? I bet they'd love to see an all male-dominated theocratic GOP-led government. How much you want to bet they're, gonna, they're making large campaign donations to their favorite legislators from their states? And that's a, there's a lot of truth to that. Next one I have another, this is an LGBTQ article. Uh, Another one from my friend James Finn. From Massachusetts to Indiana, pride stands up against renewed assault. How will you stand for decency and neighborliness? It's another good blog article. asks the question, why can't we support our neighbors despite their personal lives? So what if some gay people want to have a gathering and play games? They aren't hurting anyone, and if they do, they should get treated like anyone else who breaks the law. Why can't we just let people be who they are and learn to accept humans, no matter what color of their skin, their spiritual beliefs, sexual partners, and any other things? Besides, none of this stuff is anybody's business. It's all private business. So why are we scared of this? Let private business be private and public business be public. And why do we need to be scared of others? And this was published in medium.com. And again, as, as, as always every week, I'm going to put out a newsletter and all these things will be linked in the newsletter and you can read it for yourself. Here's another one I got from Medium. Nurturing LGBTQ students. Things I've learned as a teacher of transgender teens by Mike Butler. A very poignant story about a teacher's journey and acceptance of transgender students in his classrooms. And I will warn you, it's a bit of a heart tugger. Um, if you're inclined to be a little bit tearful, this will probably bring on the waterworks. I know it did me, it kind of make me choke up a little bit. So, this one here's another one from Canada. Ottawa commits $25 million to create Canada's first ever LGBTQ entrepreneurship program. Small business, business minister Marianne says it's the first program of its of kind in the world by Brent Bundle in the Canadian press. It's a story about how the government in Canada is trying its best to be more inclusive to LGBTQ plus entrepreneurs who want to start, run new businesses, plus promote already successful ones into a better inclusive business environment. This should be a model for the rest of the world. And now, coming back to the United States, I picked up another article out of Medium. Pride shouldn't be a war with myself by being a Moore. And this one, I, t- I found this article about an asexual black woman. Now, if anybody doesn't know what that means, it's somebody who has no interest in sexual inter- intimacy with males, females, or anything in between. So I'm going to start again. I found this article about an asexual black woman who has struggled with both her sexuality and blackness amongst her peers. She isn't comfortable with pride activities so much as she fits kind of in the middle as she's autistic. How many other people struggle with this not fitting the societal mold humans put on themselves? I know I don't exactly fit the mold either, but, uh, you know, my story is a lot different. And this reminds me of another autistic young lady who's mentioned this in some of her articles going through the same thing. She also professes to be asexual. She's not black, but it doesn't really matter. Autistic, she says she's autistic and she's asexual. So maybe that's something with the autistic folks. This kind of thing should not make us ostracize them in society and nothing else embrace their differences. I got another article from Crystal Rivers, Ph.D. What's with all the hate in the parking lot, in the store, in the cafe, by the lake, at the library, in your school? There's a dangerous buzz of incivility. This writer sums it all up. Civil discourse is becoming something lost in America anymore. In Canada, too, for that matter. People are afraid of everything and everyone, and they're talking about, they're taking out their anxieties on everyone around them. It's in the news feeds all day, every day. Something the media loves to exploit, because that kind of stuff provides clicks and views that makes them a lot of money anymore, rather than reporting the actual news. And then here's another one out of Canada. Nine-year-olds gender question in gobsmacking track and field incident, family says. Man in Kelowna, track meet, Insisted on seeing documentation proving my daughter was born a girl, Mom says, by Winston Zito and Brady Strahan in CBC News. Now, this article has been published in, our, in news media here in the United States, too, since it first broke. Uh, you probably have seen this one. But it's all about some guy up there who took objection to a couple of girls running around up there on a sporting, a school sporting event that had short haircuts. And he was demanding for to see birth certificates. Um, you know, he did get a visit from the RCMP uh, over his tirades and stuff. Uh, but that goes just goes to show you how the world is is going crazy now. And I got another overseas article here out of BBC.com, Vienna, Aust- Austria, Pride Parade attack foiled. Austrian police say. A story is more about IS and that's the terrorist group, ramping up plans to attack Europe again, rather than picking on an LGBTQ plus parade in itself. But there have been other reports from Europe of other failed attempts. So one has to wonder, will a group of IS terrorists succeed in another mass shooting in Europe this summer? And this is not so, as I said, this is not so much, although they, they did threaten to attack this LGBTQ plus parade. The big thing about here is there's been a lot of chatter overseas in Europe here lately, that IS may be getting gearing up to attack more stuff like they did in France here not too long ago. And all the countries over there are starting to get a little worried. And this one, one, another article out of Canada. Tribes cheer Supreme Court ruling on Native American adoption. Supreme, Supreme Court upholds requirement Native Americans must be given preference in adoptions fostering of Native children. Now, I, 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 I correct myself. This is not out of Canada. This came out of aljazeera.com, but it's U.S. news. So it's good news for Native Americans in the U.S. Now we see if states abide by that. That's the other challenge. Certain states are going to start thumbing their nose at federal government and do as they please. Texas and Florida being at the top of the pile. So what it really means is the Supreme Court of the United States voted in favor of Native American tribes having... Having first, well, preferential tr- preferential adoption procedures for Native American children. In other words, if, if if we have an orphan child on a on a reservation, they get adopted into indigenous families rather than white, black, or Latino s- citizens. Which that's the way it should be. It's a cultural thing. I don't know why it taken so it's taken so long to figure that out. And in this one here, I got out of Al Jazeera. A U.S. trafficking report highlights cyber scams and exploited boys. Annual U.S. Department of State report listed 24 countries in the lowest tier for human, traf- human trafficking protections. It's a huge story about worldwide modern day slavery. The report has come out stating that there are approximately 50 million people around the world, 28 million in, in forced labor and 22 million enforced child marriages with the list of countries with the worst violations. A couple of them may surprise you. There are two excellent videos in this particular story, which again, I'll put the link in the newsletter, to underscore the magnitude of the problem, its causes, and solutions that are likely to, unlikely to change anytime soon. Given that there are more and more people migrating away from bad places due to war, poverty, and climate change, it's likely to get worse. I uh, Again, this is one that if you have any interest at all in uh, human trafficking stories, this is a good one. Kinda, it's an eye-opener as far as the world is concerned. And this one I got off CBC. Peru is enduring its worst dengue outbreak fever ever. Is El Nino making it worse? Experts say situation offers insight and effects on climate change on mosquito-borne illnesses. So it's not just about Dengue fever, but there's Zika and other things uh, that, you know, kind of kicked up in in South America in the last couple of years. So this one here is from Peru and Ecuador and about a Dengue fever outbreak down there. It's worse this year because of global warming and El Nino warming everything up. Mosquitoes are rampant down there and making making it hard to eradicate them. So, again, we're going to have another Zika panic here this summer. A lot of people getting sick and dying and, you know, children most especially. And I picked up another climate change article from my uh, one of my favorite writers. August 1st, 2023, Strike While a Planet is Hot by Ray Katz. It's a, another call to action letter from Ray Katz. He wants as many people across the world as possible to go on a one-day strike. Stay home, in other words, to tell world leaders that they need to start taking Global warming, seriously. I mean, I think it's a good idea. And, and, uh, I'm, and the more I see about this, I'm going to push it for him. But can the world afford to take a day off? Well, a lot of us live in le- on, you know, below the poverty level. If, if we decide, to, you know, not me especially, but folks who are in that kind of a demographic, if they take a day off, they likely lose their job. So it might be problematic. But, you know, it's a good call to action. For those who can afford to do it, go for it. Go on strike for a day against climate change. And this one also has been all over the news here recently, and I'm going to kind of go through it a little bit. 16 Montana kids are suing the state over climate change. And this article is asked, you know, here's what to know about the trial. Uh, came out of time.com. So it's been in the news, as I mentioned, and it's a -a one-of-a-kind lawsuit. They're suing the state over their right to clean it and healthy environment. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot more of this kind of going So the big thing is, if they can win this, which is pretty doubtful, but if they can win this, it's a model for other young people, hint, hint, young people, to do something in their states. And I think that's a really good start here. Here we go. Climate change, more climate change. Scarcity of water is emerging as a global economic threat, with China and India looking to be most at risk. From CNBC.com. By Charmaine Jacob. This is another report. Talks about how these Asian industrialized nations. China, India, Southwest Asia. uh, Are at high risk for water shortages. With India having the world's largest population now. Only having enough potable water for 4% of their people. So think about that. They have the largest population in the world. And they've only got enough potable water for 4%. China's groundwater has about 80 to 90% of its water is unfit for consumption now due to industrialized pollution. And things are only going to get worse as the climate temps rise. So think about this. You've got billions of people in these two countries, and they don't have clean water to drink. They don't have clean water to cook with. What are they going to do? Well, China, being as aggressive as they are, they're going to go after it. And they don't care who they take it from. So are we going to have some more conflicts over water? Well, yeah, I'd say we are. In India having the most people right now, uh, and, you know, the most part, they aren't all that rich. They're having enough problems, internal problems right now, between the Hindus and the Muslims. Is this going to exasper- exasperate some of that stuff? Most likely. I picked up another article out of Europe here. This one came out of CNN.com, but it's about Europe. Collapse of a mountain peak in Austria amid thawing permafrost triggers a huge rock fall by Laura Patterson and Sophie Tano. So mountain peaks over there in, in you know, this is going to happen in Himalayas. In this case, this is the Pyrenees and the Al and, 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 and the Alpines over there are being are held together by ice, now falling into the valleys below as glaciers and permafrost melts and the rocks. Don't have anything to hold them together. So they're sliding down into the valleys. How much longer before some hapless village gets wiped out by a massive rock slide due to global warming? Well, there was another article, kind of a follow-on with this, that the village, there was an Austrian village down here that just barely missed this rockfall. fall. I mean, it wasn't, it was so close, I mean, you could almost hear it. And so you you have to think, there's, we're probably going to see some villages over there down in these mountain valleys are going to get crushed by these rockfalls. You just wait for it. Wind and solar overtake fossil fuels in the EU as energy transition hits hyperdrive. And this one came out of Euronews.com in their green energy psych- section. It's by Rosie Frost. The EU is on track for a huge collapse in fossil fuel power this year, says energy think tank Ember wind and solar produced more energy in the EU than in, during May than all of fossil fuels combined according to the energy think tank. story you know from the EU about how serious they are about transitioning over to renewable energy as quickly as possible and are accomplishing it very handily now. If only the other countries around the world would take the hint. well, hopefully. Canada, I know they'll be all on board. the, Aust- the Australians, they're moving as best as they can. Um, They're having some struggles down there, but they're making making some progress. Now, if only the Americans would get on board with this. This one from Switzerland, Switzerland referendum. Voters back carbon cuts as the glaciers melt from BBC.com. Some good climate news from Switzerland. They voted to transition from fossil fuels to green energy by 2050 and impose a minimal 15% tax on multinational corporations. Now, if only the Americans would take a lesson from Europe and get on board with us. Of course, this is not likely, as greedy Americans can only see ma- money and power on the short side. The GOP doesn't care about any funer- future generations on this planet. They want their money now, all for themselves. Try for generational wealth, but if the planet fries and chokes, oh well, they'll be dead and past caring, having made their wealth while they were still alive. Not, Apparently they don't care about their kids as long as they're wealthy until the grave. I mean, what you all know, What is that old biblical thing about how you can't take your wealth with you wealth with with you to heaven or in this case to the grave? Although you know, history a little history lesson here. Previous civilizations have buried their rich kings with all of their riches and stuff in the graves, hoping that these people would take that stuff to the afterlife with them. Well, so I don't know. Many of Canada's greenest apartments are ultra affordable, and here's why. This is from CBC Canada by Emily Chung and Alice Hopton. Social housing providers have embraced energy efficient passive house standard. Although I applaud the echo apartment buildings, they're all built from wood for the most part. So what about all the trees they need to harvest to support this initiative? How is that environmentally sound? So I, I mentioned something about three, four weeks ago about how the Canadians are chopping down all of their arboreal forests up there. And now we know where the wood is going. <laughs> you know, at least a large portion of it, building these eco-friendly housing um, housing complexes. So I'm thinking it's, you know, rob from Peter to pay Paul in this case. They need housing. They want to go green and energy, energy efficient, but then they're chopping down all the trees to get it. I don't think that's a very much a win situation here. I mean, the more trees you take out, the less clean air we have. So how is that environmentally sound? And this one is from the state of Maine, which is right up next to Canada. Power companies spend millions to fight Maine's proposed non-profit utility. The U.S.'s first state-run public power company could be created when Maine votes later this year. But utilities are fighting it. Yeah, figure. They don't want to lose all that money. This came out of The Guardian, U.S. News, by Maria Ariza for Floodlight and Tux Turco for the Portland Press-Herald. Portland, Maine. A good article about how the state of Maine was to take over the two most prominent power distribution corporations and turn them over to non- a non-profit to stop the corruption and try to bring things back to the normal standards. Of course, these two corporations are spending massively to stop it. The fight for millions of profits is hitting high gear in Maine. If they succeed, they could be a model for other states, and that's what's scaring these billionaires. Now, here's another little tidbit that I, I read. Another article about this later, later on. Here, these two, the two biggest corporations involved in this, aren't even American. One of them happens to be Canadian, but the other one, the their parent corporation, is over in the Middle East. So, I mean, come on, I, I think that we should bring it all back to the United States, and I think. Turn it into a nonprofit. Let the state control it. Probably would be more beneficial to the citizens. So that's all of the climate change and LGBTQ articles that I have for you. LGBTQ articles. The rest of this stuff is all about racism. I picked up several here. um, And I'm going to kind of roll through them for you. One of them came out of Medium.com. My first one. Fight the Power. Remix 2020, Juneteenth. This is about the Juneteenth holiday here this month by Garrick McFadden. So it's a very good article on the real reason for Juneteenth, a new U.S. holiday. It was supposed to be a remembrance of the day when Union soldiers arrived in Galveston, Texas, on or about June 13th to announce the end of slavery. But as he points out in this narrative, like so many others foisted on us by our educational leaders, it's wrong, like so many other things. To find out the real truth, The author provides damning evidence in his article in support of this alternative truthful reality of why the slaves were really free. I like this version of history better as it fits the real truth a whole lot better than what we all were told at American history classes. Uh, Again, the link's going to be in the newsletter. I strongly recommend you read this because it definitely gives you a different perspective on why Lincoln freed the slaves and what Juneteenth is actually really all about. The next one I have is how a grad student uncovered the largest known slave auction in the United States by Jennifer Barry Hawes in phot- photography by Gavin Mc- McIntyre for ProPublica. Pro Lauren Davila made a stunning discovery as a graduate student at the College of Charleston, South Carolina an ad for a slave auction larger than any historian had yet identified to find yields a new understanding of the enormous harm of such a transaction. And again, come out of Pro Publica. A story about a grad student and found evidence of the so far largest slave auction held in the United States in February of 1835. In a large amount of estate sales, over 770 human beings in the span of a couple of days were sold off. This is the dark legacy left behind by these evil white people who would still be at it today if we hadn't freed them all with the Emancipation Declaration. But, again, the story behind that is not exactly what you think it is. So if it weren't for the the different religious ideologies of the Northeastern states, a lot of things would be a lot different in this country right now. Here's another article out of Medium.com, How the War on Woke Became an Excuse to Pass New Racist Laws. We're witnessing the anti civil rights era take shape by Alison Wilts. So, broad narrative on how conservatives are trying really hard to wipe out any discussions or mentions of how critical race theory and DEI initiatives are tied in with basic civil rights for all, and I mean all citizens, not just the ones with the white skins, all citizens. This one out of Brazil, and again, it's a racist article, but it's coming out of Brazil, has nothing to do with the United States for once. Brazil played in an all-black kit for the first half of their win against Guinea in Spain as part of an anti-racism campaign that came out of BBC, BBC.com Sports. Story about, about, you know, the, the story itself is about the football match, but it also shows how the Brazilian team is standing behind their black-skinned players to show solidarity against the racist attacks levied in Spain earlier this season. Racism is becoming more a front-page issue around the world as tensions between people increase. Spain's had a long history about racism, and it's, it's now starting to hit the forefront. And Brazil decided to do something about it. One of their players, um, who recently you know, got hired on with their team in Brazil experienced a massive race of attack and it was in the European news really big and a lot of people try to you know racist shame them and stuff like that but now the Brazilian team is standing behind their players and uh, doing something about it that's good for them this one here segues it's kind of racist but it's also about money I have not seen one cent colon this is a quote Billions stolen in wage theft from U.S. workers. Employees across the country are not getting paid what they are owed, and critics say government is toothless to help. This came out of the Guardian.com. I picked this one because I've heard of this before on one of Tom Hartman's shows here a while back. He rants against the corporate world, and here's an example why. And this is, you know, is example why there's such wage disparity in the U.S. Not only are they underpaying a lot of workers a lot of them, especially in the construction industry, are flat out not paying their people at all. They're making up all kinds of excuses. But since it's making the news now, it must be getting worse. And this applies mostly to migrant workers who hire on to construction sites, go to work in the agricultural industry, and all this kind of stuff, which they're usually underpaid to begin with, and here in a lot of cases, not being paid at all. It's You know, another example of modern-day slavery. And the government is not appearing to be doing a whole lot about it. This one here is, my next article is a a political one. Ron DeSantis is all in on creating an American autocracy. His plan to outflank Trump would scale up the calculated system of repression he designed in Florida by Pema Levy. This is in MotherJones.com. It's a story on just who Ron DeSantis is and his vision of a world, a world of his making. A very scary story about the wolf at the GOP door trying to huff and puff his way into your life. If we let him in, we will live to regret it. As with him, all semblance of democracy will go bye-bye. Again, it's another article I recommend you read because it's pretty scary. My next article is kind of off the wall. It has. It's not politics. It has nothing to do with politics, and it has. It's a crime article, actually. If you want to call it anything, global network of sadistic monkey torture exposed by BBC by Joel Gunter, Rebecca Henske, and Astu, Astudestra Al Grosti. And this is BBCI Investigations. It's a very sick story about how hundreds of people are under investigation or being arrested around the world for abusing, torturing, and killing baby long-tame macaws, and, fi- and f- filing these sto- videos on demand in YouTube for twisted customers around the world. A lot of them are in the United States. In and in there's there's one example in the article here about this grandmother down in Alabama in the United States who was just all in on this stuff. I mean, she was gleeful. And she, you know, they arrested her. But it goes to show you there's some really sick people in this world who will buy these videos. And these Indonesians, they don't care. All they care about is making money. And if it's easy, they don't care. As long as they can make money on it, they don't care. So the last bit I have, the last piece I have, is this one here from Ireland. And I get a copy of a publication called the Irish News. In Gaelic, it's called Air Nua, And the magazine was sent to me by email and pushed out by the Sinn Féin for Irish Unity. And are, it's a magazine with full of articles about how Sinn Féin is pushing for Irish unity between the North and the South and doing everything they can to educate the people up in the, up in the North. And how there's a couple of articles in there about how the folks up there in Northern Ireland are actually starting to listen because their economic livelihoods are being severely challenged right now because Great Britain is basically throwing them underneath the bus. And, and um, I'm going to put the link in the newsletter here Uh, If you're interested in that, uh, you know, it's if you're not of Irish descent or have no interest in Irish politics, you know, that's fine. I get it. But I always try to enlighten people around the world of struggles like this, because this struggle in particular here in Ireland has been going on for 800 years. I think it's I'm thinking it's time to end it. So with that, I'm going to go on my break. That's all the stories I got for you. And I'll be back in a couple of minutes. So meanwhile, go ahead and listen to my little uh, break message here. And I'll talk to you in a little bit. I want to take this time to bring attention to my website on Crombiha at https colon forward slash forward slash 527 dot website x In this website, I have a blog page where I post copies of my articles, teasers about my books, and a synopsis of the weekly podcast. Here in the website, you can also learn a little more about what An Biha means for a little bit of Irish culture and more about me in general. I also have links to this podcast, my Medium and Substack pages, an ad page for my books, and a contact page in case someone cares to leave a message. If you like my Medium.com and Substack.com articles, I have an option at the end of these articles to and stories to leave a donation to my coffee fund and sign up for a subscription if you want. I also post a weekly newsletter as a follow-up to the podcast every week in both publications. I don't want anyone to feel obligated to financially support my work, which I why I offer everything for free. Medium does ask you to sign up to read the full pieces, though, even though I offer them for free, so just a heads up. Each article I write will be, avail- be available in the blog section of my website if you don't want to sign up for anything. I just don't have all the extra frills that you will find on medium.com and substack.com or access to all the other great writers there. But at least I give you a choice. If you enjoy reading, there are great choices to find out what you like most and dive in as much as you want. I hope to hear from you whatever you decide. Welcome back to the second half of On An Biha. And this week, I'm dedicating this op-ed to the younger generations I mentioned before, I'm part of the baby baby boomer generation born in the 1950s, and my star is fading pretty quickly. My main concern on a worldly level is the legacy I'm leaving behind for my children and grandchildren and all the others beyond them. We all know about the great climate change and global warming going on. If you don't, you need to crawl off from underneath that cave you've been living in and take a look around. Politics and governments are falling apart, especially here in the U.S., with not a lot of hope in sight, at least not yet anyway. Economies are collapsing everywhere. England has been on the news a lot, and so has China, to name just a couple, with the US being right behind them. So if anybody doesn't understand that, in Great Britain right now is imploding severely. And I don't I don't know what's really gonna happen. China is also having a lot of problems over there. They got an aging population, they don't have the resources to take care of them. And they got a problem with climate change causing a lot of famines and stuff like that over there. So no matter what China is putting out in their public media behind the scenes, they're having a lot of problems right now. And spending all that money on having the biggest Navy and and military in the world is certainly not helping their GDP. So with all of that going on, what do the younger generations have to be hopeful anymore? I would like to think that enough of them might be finally starting to get enough and say enough is enough. And start voting in enough numbers to bring back some balance in the world. It looks like they are slowly starting to wake up to what's going being taken from them. And coming around to the idea that maybe we ought to try to do something about it. You know, before all the demented senior citizens around the world ruin what's left of the countries they live in. Most notably the aforementioned countries, but a lot of other ones too. According to some recent reports in the U.S., there are some rumblings about that. And some signs of change coming about. I hope it's enough, and I hope it's enough in time to prevent a total collapse here after 2024. be honest with you, there's been a lot of stuff in the news that the 2024 U.S. presidential election is going to be a turning point for not only the United States, but the world at large. Because what a lot of stuff the United States does has a big effect on the world in general. I found a couple of articles for you this week from a couple of writers I want to share with you. One's a full-length one from my favorite, Jessica Wildfire, and a short one that's a little humorous from another gentleman by the name of Bruce Coulter. And I read this to you as I look outside my window today at rainstorms, heavy winds, and my question about whether this unusually amount of, unusual amount of rain this week is related to climate change, or am I just being paranoid? Nowadays, it's not hard to be paranoid about unusual weather with all the media attention, and... You know, I talk about it a lot myself, trying to get people to pay more attention to what's coming. So, yeah, I'm you know, here where I'm at, it's going to rain all week. It's blowing wind hard, knocking stuff over outside. So I got to wonder, it's a little bit unusual for us here. Now, that's the thing is, that's where we are now around the world. Global warming's causing crop failures, which in turn causes food shortages, which begets starvation, poverty, and migrations, which begets conflicts between the tribes of men all of which we see more and more of we'll see more and more of in the near future for the younger generation inheriting this mess you know that we're leaving them please take over control of these things cuz it seems us seniors all have some sort of dementia problem and we're incapable of managing world affairs anymore so without a, you know i'm i'm finished with my little rant i'm getting ready to read this story to you again jessica wildfire published in substack it's called The Young and the Hopeless. Young, young people are imagining a different future. She published this on January 13th. My brother turned 30 recently. He lives with my dad. He has a job. He works nights. He works mornings. He works weekends. He works whenever his boss tells him. His boss has a computer. He says, quote, It's not like I've got anything better going on, unquote. He doesn't date. He doesn't plan on starting a family. He reads about technology. He buys cryptocurrency. He waits. When you ask him what he plans on doing with his life, he shrugs, quote, this, he says. He plans on hanging out and taking care of our dad. We're trying to move back so we can help out. My friends are all making similar plans. Same goes for my students. They work. They take care of someone. They vote if they aren't scheduled to work all day. They read. They downsize their expectations. I have yet to meet any of these selfish, entitled millennials or Zoomers the media keeps telling me about. Everyone seems to be working all the time and doing the best they can to get by. They're not really looking at the future. They don't even want to talk about it. They're waiting for something to change, for better or worse. They're waiting for something to happen. Anyone who still cares about the future has given up on the system. They get it. There's no FDR coming to rescue them this time. Even if they still vote, they regard politics as a useless pantomime. It's all driven by corporate interests, dark money, and fossil fuels. They aren't buying vote blue anymore. They understand voting for what it is, keeping fascists out of power a little longer. They're working in the margins now. They're working at the local level. They're building communities. A lot of them aren't trying to stop the worst, half, worst of climate change anymore. They're focused on survival. They don't mean their own survival. They mean the survival of humanity and even life itself. They're not building underground bunkers. They're building homesteads. It's the only way. I know a few people trying to get to the mountains. One of my friends recently got a job in Appalachia. During her campus visit, the hiring committee brought up climate change as a recruiting point. One professor took her aside after lunch. His voice slid into a conspiratorial hush as he talked about the elevation You'll be safer up here, quote. I know, quote, she whispered. My friend faces a different co- kind of problem now. She can't afford a house. She's a department chair. That was the job she was interviewing for. Now she's there, doing the job, watching the median home price jump higher and higher. Over the last six months, it's gone up more than $200,000. It's heading for 700000 Honestly, she feels cheated. She doesn't feel cheated by the hiring committee. She feels cheated by everyone. She laughs about it. My friend has published three books with major university presses. She won several teaching and research awards. She used to edit one of our pla- flagship journals. It doesn't matter. The real estate market is choking her family. Quote, I feel like I'm sinking, unquote, she says. Uh, quote, I'll be renting forever, unquote. She doesn't talk about it much except with her closest friends. She knows it's pointless to speak up. She knows the comments she'll get. You should have chosen a different career. You should have moved somewhere else. You should have joined OnlyFans. That's how it goes for the mass majority of us under 50. Our parents and their generation didn't do anything wrong. It's our fault. We're lazy. We're entitled. We're selfish. We want participation trophies. We don't know how to work. And yet it feels like that's all we ever do. We're constantly told that society owes us nothing, even as we're expected to keep society going for everyone else. The other day, I was talking about enormous debt college grads face. I said young people weren't trying to get rich. They went to college to become nurses, teachers, social workers, and civil engineers. Someone told me they were greedy for one of those jobs. They could have been a janitor, quote, he said. Teenagers cry for help on TikTok. They beg their leaders for action. What do their leaders do? They ban TikTok. They try to raise the voting age while lowering the working age. You can serve them beer if you're 16, but you have no say in the future. All things considered, it's no wonder young people feel depressed and hopeless. Nobody listens to them. Another one of my friends moved moved to the outskirts of Appalachia last year. She runs a program that serves 10,000 students. Like my other friend, she's published books and won awards. She married a banker. Together they make six figures. They're getting by. They decided against having kids. Quote, between our student loans and climate change, it feels sort of pointless, unquote. She was planning to travel the world, but then the pandemic happened. Her parents got COVID and now they're dying. She splits her time between work and hospitals now. That's how she'll spend her 40s. She knows it. If you really pay attention to young people around the world, they're not lazy or entitled. They're working long hours at difficult jobs. they're preparing to take care of the parents if they're not already doing it they don't even They don't even expect an inheritance when their parents die and they know there's a good chance they'll have to sell their homes to pay enormous medical and hospital hospice bills. They cross their fingers and hope a collection agency does come after the little money they have left. They don't have any savings. They have a piggy bank. they look at the state of health care they see all the nurses quitting they see the rising costs. They see the shortage of cancer drugs. They see the falling life expectancy and quality of life. And they know that if they get sick, they're as good as dead. That's their future now. They just hope the government doesn't rate their 401ks to pay their student loans. Even if they did, it wouldn't be enough. They're hoping their lives end with a little bit of dignity. That's all they want. My little circle of friends catches up every few months. We used to get tipsy and make jokes, jokes about zo- the zombie apocalypse. We predicted who'd get eaten first and who would turn into Negan. Over the last few years, those conversations have gotten weird. The jokes have a gravity to them now. Most of them are trying to get out of the big cities even if they have to commute. They're giving up on having kids. They're giving up on retirement. They're trying to find safe, remote jobs that don't require them to venture out into large crowds. They're looking for cooler, higher ground. Look at almost any survey. Young people aren't exactly looking forward to the future. They're anticipating it with shades of dread. They're preparing for it. They don't know exactly what it will be. It could be the next pandemic or a fascist takeover. It could be a wildfire or an ocean boiler. It could be a war with China provoked by corporate oligarchs. Or it could be several of these things happening at the same time, a kind of super disaster. They can't afford bunkers and they know it. They can barely afford apartments. Still, they're trying. A lot of young people remain politically active. They vote, they read, they teach, they advocate. They work for nonprofits. They work in the justice system. They conserve water and electricity. They don't go on elaborate vacations. They don't have any money. They're still making an effort, but they're making backup plans the best they can. They're not just making practical ones. They're bracing themselves. They're trying to figure out how to live in this purgatory. They're not exactly opting out. They're divesting. They're tired. Some of them are starting to give up. They're doing it in secret. They aren't telling their bosses and co-workers. They know, what they're, they know what they'll get. More lectures about their mental health. More lectures about self-care. I have a couple of friends who decided nothing matters. They're not saving for anything anymore. They're just going to party it up while they can. They know how it looks. irresponsible. Then again, they know the facts better than most. One of them used to be extremely politically active. Everywhere you look, one thing holds true. Young people are fed up. There's a revolution underway, but it's not a violent one. What's the point? We're long past the time that would have made a difference. Besides, I don't know who anyone who wants to get mauled by a robot or gassed by a drone, do you? Unlike previous moments in history, the rich and powerful are prepared for massive social unrest. They got private armies, they got bombs, they got robots and assault weapons. They got militarized police forces with armored vehicles. A conventional uprising doesn't stand a chance. I think young people get it. You can relax. Some of us have discovered the secret. Capitalism is going to fall apart on its own. It doesn't need to overthrow it. It doesn't need us to overthrow it. The collapse is already well underway. The billionaires can fight all they want. They can spew out propaganda 24-7. It won't matter. Meanwhile, young people are biding their time. They're doing the bare minimum. They're taking care of those around them. They're building local ties. They're saving what they can. They're getting rest. They're waiting. And now I have a second story for you. It's a lot shorter. And again, by Bruce Coulter. Lives up in Massachusetts. It's called, The People Who Followed the Greatest Generation Have Failed. However, there's hope in the world with Generation Z and Alpha. Generations following the baby boomers spend their lives whining about boomers. Their parents Does Gen X suck? For the most part, yes. They say boomers destroyed their future by making housing too pricey, killing the environment and single-ply toilet paper. I can't say they're entirely wrong, but boomers have done much for this world. Without the internet, they couldn't complain about us on Medium. They'd still be in typing class, sending letters to the editor to file complaints. Boomers put a man on the moon built the first personal computers and laptops, and made driving safer with seatbelts. Many survived many rides in the back of a station wagon on the bench seats without seatbelts, which often faced the cars behind us. Many of us have been concerned about global warming for decades. Now that I've patted our collective bottoms, I've, I'll admit to what boomers did wrong. We created the Internet, which, despite its advantages, killed newspapers and tens of thousands of journalism jobs we created our world horribly via oil drilling, mining, and pursuing that modern miracle plastic. And we've done a lousy job recycling that plastic. Most politicians are bullshit artists, outright liars, misogynists, and money-hungry. That applies to both sexes in all generations. A newly minted member of commerce might be full of idealism, but they learn quickly donations from lobbyists and political action committees is what gets them re-elected. I'm optimistic that Gen Z and A will break that cycle. Both have grown up under the threat of climate change and the actions of MAGAT Republicans, neo-Nazis, and conservative Christians. Millennials are the largest largest population in the U.S. with 72.2 million members, followed closely by Gen Z with 69.6 million members. Boomers follow with 68.6 million. Gen X, the original whiners, with 65.6 million. 4 million and Gen Alpha, which is on the rise, with nearly 39 million members. The silent generation is still the biggest danger to climate change. Some septuagenarians and octogenarians still wield power in Congress because they refuse to step down. In, in italics, there's no fool like an old fool. It's tough to let go when you've had staff members kissing your ass for 30, 40, 50 years. I give you Senator Diane Feinstein as a prime example. The Orange Menace, Donald Trump, and President Joe Biden are examples of men who can't walk away from power. Yes, there are on opposite ends of the political spectrum, but that doesn't mean either is good for the United States in the larger picture. Many Me senior members of Commerce should also walk away. I realize there are conservative, liberal voices in generations A and Z, but I think only a tiny percentage of those generations are racist or Nazis the vast majority knows what's at stake, the world's survival. And if any generation thinks they know best, Mother Mother Nature's watching and waiting for somebody to hold her beer. Nature will survive any outcome short of the sun dying and expanding until this planet is no more. And no amount of Jewish space lasers can save us, Margie. If you've read this far, thank you for stopping by. And that's the article from Bruce Coulter. And that's all I've got for you this week. And I hope that I've enlightened you a little bit while well, my choices of stories and thoughts. So I'm going to close this one out this week with this challenge. Think about the, your political beliefs. And here in the United States, majority of us are on one side or the other. And the split between the conservatives and the liberals and whatever other labels you want to call them is becoming greater and greater every day. And that's a shame. We used to be able to all work together and do, th- do great things here. But not anymore. And it's a wonder. I've, I've heard people talk about it's, e- it's economics. It's this. It's that. Well, whatever it is. I want you to think about this as we part for the week here. My whole thing is what do you believe in? What's the most important thing to you? Is it economics? Is your economic situation such that you're worried about having food on your table over the next week until you get paid again? Is that why you want to live in a rage state? Because you think somebody's going to come rescue you? Or are you on the other side of the spectrum? Are you one of those rich billionaires who doesn't care about the rest of the world? All you care about is making money and you don't have any party or political affiliations or only ones that help you get only uh, as long as it makes you more money. Or are you somewhere in between? Think about that. What's most important to you as you go through the week? Living, living a good life, having a decent income, having a nice house to live in, food on the table. If that's what's most important to you, then I challenge you to get out and vote for it. Quit all this economic disparity here. If you want something bad enough, especially in this country, in the United States, you need to vote for it. It's about time all you people get up off your butts and get out there and vote. I say this only because I worked at a, at a at a polling office yesterday for the Republican primary here in my state. And the voter turnout was really sad. I mean, I'm not a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. But it didn't really matter. It's the fact that their, the, the, the turnout for a, this political thing was sad. And that's that's what the problem is. We need to do better. So I challenge you, next time there's a local election of any kind in your county... Go out and vote. And it depends on what it is. I mean, obviously, if you're not a Republican, you don't want to vote in a Republican primary. But if the Democrats have a primary, you should vote in that one if that's what you want to do. Or if you're like me, you're an independent, we wait for the, wait for the big elections. But the bottom line is, no matter what your affiliation is, get out and vote. All right, I'm going to let you go. I'll talk to you guys next week. I would like to thank you for listening to the show today. I hope you enjoyed it and you'll return again for another episode of On Crombie Ha. Feel free to share this with your friends and relations. The more the merrier. Each podcast episode will be free and can be found on many different platforms now, although some of them may have advertisements. Unfortunately, I have no control over that. Search for On Crombie Ha podcast or under my name, T-O-D-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L, in your favorite app. I hope I've achieved my goal in helping you feel like we've been sitting under the village oak tree d- during our time together. As a Sean Kay, I want to continue to travel to your digital village every week to bring you some news from the outside world and maybe a story or two that may bring you a smile or make you think a little after we part for the day. As I say goodbye this week, I wish to leave you with this Irish blessing as you go about your day. May your troubles be less and your blessings be more. And nothing but happiness come through your door. Slán go fóill. Which means goodbye for now in Irish.